Aren't you sure? Just quickly, we uh, grab grab a Bible or a device off your seat. Stay standing. Stay standing. I'm going to read one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It comes from 2 Corinthians. So if you've got your Bible or a device, go to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And then once you're in 2 Corinthians, I want you to go back into the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 4. So put your thumb in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And then put a, a Bible marker in there and go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to preach a message on increase. Some years ago, I was at a conference, and the theme of the conference was increase. But as part of their conference design, they had separated I-N-C-R from E-A-S-E. And I thought they'd done it purposely. Because I saw that within the word increase is the word ease. How many know God wants us to experience increase with ease? I, I believe God wants to bless us this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God is able. Somebody say, God is able. Come on, shout that out this morning. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. I don't know if you realize this morning, but you're the target of God's grace. God's got a bullseye around your life and He never misses. And God is able to make all grace, all grace, not just some grace, all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency all sufficiency. How many know if you're sufficient, it means there's no lack. If you've got need in your life right now, the good news this morning is God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you may have no need. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome thing? That you have all sufficiency in all things. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says that you may have an abundance Somebody say an abundance for every good work. Come on, that's my prayer for you today, that you'd realize you're the target of God's grace. How about just lifting a hand or two right where you are? We thank you, God, for your anointing that's here. Lord, come and make your word live, speak into every situation, into every heart, into every life. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Well, the title of my message this morning is, What Can I Do For You? Just before you take your seat, how about turn to two or three different people and say, What can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you. So often in life, we hear about different things. We read a verse like that, and we go, well, that's just too good to be true. Living in all sufficiency where there's no lack, no need in my life, that's just too good to be true. 
You know, when you talk about abundance, come on, that's over the top. That's too good to be true. In fact, recently we, we did a survey on social media and we put up a question, what is too good to be true? Here are some of the responses. The first response was being a debt-free student. That is too good to be true. Somebody else put eating whatever you want and get, not getting fat. That's too good to be true. Somebody put unlimited travel with family and friends. How many would like that? Uh, that's too good to be true, they said. Somebody else said, Rainbow's Inn being like Disneyland. It's too good. I hear Disneyland's coming to Auckland. No, it's not true. <laughs> yeah. Another person put diet pizza. Too good to be true. Somebody else put Tonga being in a World Cup final. It's too good to be true. Some uh, people will uh, uh, feel this one. Having a matching supply of socks all week round. It, how many feel their person's pain? The struggle is real right there. Uh, uh, having that matching pair of socks all week round is too good to be true. Somebody else put something a little bit more serious. A stable, well-paid job is too good to be true. Another person put no sickness. It's too good to be true. Somebody else has got a lot of drama in their life. Put Nerf guns that don't run out of bullets. It's too good to be true. Somebody put a time machine. Somebody else put, when you ask her where she wants to go to eat, and she actually responds with a restaurant. And then he put in brackets, she is a generalization. His name is Ben Greenwood, and he happens to be marrying Esther Elliott next week. Too good to be true. Somebody put passing exams with excellence. So often we look at Scripture and go, well, that's all good for them. That's all good for back in those times. But here and now, that's too good to be true. Well, if you're in Second Kings chapter 4, I want you to show you how God works because God works in a way that goes above and beyond our reason and our rationale. He wants to do something, I believe, in all of our lives that we've never seen before. Second Kings chapter 4, we're going to be reading from verse 8. It says, One day Elisha went to a town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, when he had passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops him from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Verse 11. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put a good word to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elijah, Elisha said to Gehazi, what can we do for her? 
Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son. And her husband is an old man. How I many? No, just tell it like it is. He's an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year, at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. O man of God, do not deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Here we meet an unnamed woman. In a crowd like this, many of us can feel unnamed. We can feel like we're just a number in a crowd. But aren't you glad that God not only knows your name, He's got your number. And you are the target of His grace. You're important to God. What you're going through right now is on God's mind. You can come to Him today knowing that you can cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. So this woman is unnamed, but we know that she's a notable, wealthy woman. That's what the Bible describes her as. And she decides that she's going to do something great for the man of God who had passed by her house. She, first of all, urges him to come and have something to eat. You know, have you ever been to a person's house where you had to have something to eat? You know, they're good, so good at cooking things, so hospitable that you couldn't go away without a full tummy. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody know a person like that? You know, that's not a problem if the food's good. But if the food's no good, how many know we have a problem? Now, we must know that the food was good because Elisha would keep on returning to this woman's house. So this woman got together with her husband and said, come on, let's, let's make a space for him. Let's build a room so that the man of God can stay. Uh, coming into the end of the year, I, I want to encourage you to make, God, make space for God to speak to you. Uh, when was the last time you heard God speak to you? I'm not, I'm not saying, when was the last time you heard a sermon a message, when was the last time you heard God speak to you? See, we all have to make room. We all have to create space. We have to remove the clutter if we want God to speak to us. We've got to invite His voice in, and we've got to kick other voices out. Make room, not just in your calendar, you know, not just for the occasional visit, but I love this woman because she made space where this man could reside, where he could stay wherever he wanted. She created a space that he could call his own. Now, if you're visiting a person's house, you know, it's, it's a little bit, yeah, it's nice, but you, you don't really feel at home. Uh, there's no place like home. Home is a place that you can relax. Home is a, a, a place where you, you, you've adjusted things so that you can have it how you want it. If you're visiting a place, you don't make alterations to, to that person's house. Uh, yeah, I don't like that painting there. You don't take it off the wall and put it somewhere else. You don't go move the furniture around. If you did that while visiting a person's house, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Uh, but if it's a place that you're staying, you know, how many know you're going to make it your own? 
I believe God wants his own space in our life. Not a space that he shares with anybody else. Not a space where he just visits. I really want to encourage you to create space, even in this upcoming holiday time, for God to speak. See, coming into the end of the year, you know, I pray that we are living fueled by vision. And so often holidays create a vacuum in our life. And it's amazing how many people make themselves susceptible to their vice of their drunk uncle at Christmas time. Because they haven't got vision and they've got this vacuum. And other voices are speaking into people's lives rather than the voice of God. I love the word holidays because it comes from two words which are simply holy days. When you go on holiday, you don't go on holiday from your relationship with God. When you go on holiday is to get fueled again with God's vision and His purpose for your life. When you're on holiday, you don't go on holiday from church. Uh, Too many people, even when it comes to church, they visit church. And they wonder why they're not living full of God's vision for their life. Now, my Bible says in Psalm 84, blessed are those who dwell in the house of the Lord. Not blessed are those who occasionally visit, who show up every other week. No, blessed are those who dwell in the house of the Lord, for they shall still be praising God. I don't know what you want to be doing in 10 years' time, but in 10 years' time, I still want to be praising God. I still want to be living in God's purpose for my life. I I still want to be believing in the things that He's spoken into my heart. And that comes not as you visit, but as you make a decision to reside. Come on, I I want to encourage you, if you're even a visitor here, make your home in church. If it's not this church, find a church where you can make your home in. Because you're missing out on all that God has if you just come and go like a visitor. God won't make adjustments. And speak to you in a way like you would if you made your home. And I believe God is looking for people who are going to partner with His cause. I love the fact that as a church, we don't have a mission. But the mission of God has a church here in Dunedin. You know what I'm believing? I'm believing in the next two years as equippers, we could see 10,000 churches, uh, 10,000 people in church. That would be good, 10,000 churches, 10,000 people in church on a Sunday, you know, throughout our nation. Right now, we've got 15 locations, and come February, we're launching our 16th location in New Zealand, in Nelson. Nelson needs Jesus. We're taking the whole of the South Island, and uh, yeah, I'm just believing that, that God's going to draw people. People are going to connect, make their home in church going to find a place of expression and seek to outwork their gifts in the house of God. Come on, there's nothing like church, nothing like being in the house of God. Don't just visit it, learn to reside. I like the fact that this woman created space. She created space, and because I believe she created space, the prophet, on behalf of God, said, what can I do for you? It's not, what do you want? It was, what can I do for you? Now, if one of our friends or our neighbor asked 
that to us and said, what can I do for you? You go, ah, not much, because they have limited resources. But this is the God of all eternity. This is God with unlimited resources. This is a God where nothing is too difficult for him coming into us and saying, what can I do for you? Remember, this woman was a wealthy, notable woman. Elisha said, well, maybe I could put a word in for you to the king. Her, her reply was, no, 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 I'm all right. I'm happy right where I am. He goes, I, I know some people. I, I can help you out. He's going, no, it's all, all good. My family takes care of me. See, on the surface, this woman looked like she had no need. She, 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 it looked like her life was well catered for. She had contacts. She was wealthy. Do you know that it's a dangerous place to relate to God without need? In fact, Jesus rebukes a church in Revelation, the church of Laodicea, because they got lukewarm. And because they got lukewarm, Jesus said, I, I want to throw you up out of my mouth. How many know that's not a good place to be? You know, thrown up out of the mouth of God. And he said, the reason why you've become lukewarm is found in chapter 3, verse 17. It says, because you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So many people in life, they may not say they're rich, but because they relate to God in a way that says, I don't need you, they're actually in a place of danger. Yeah, you've got to understand, this woman, she was a great giver. This woman served in the house of God. But she, at this time, was not a great receiver. How many know if you're going to be a giver, you've got to actually learn to be a great receiver? Because the spiritual principle goes, if you sow, you will. Come on, if you sow, you will. But so many Christians haven't good at receiving. Some of you even struggle when somebody gives you a compliment. Oh, you look nice tonight. Oh, it's not me. Oh, this old thing. It's like, just say thank you. You don't need to justify it. Oh, you're awesome. Oh, no, you're awesome. You're amazing. No, just receive it. Here's the thing. If, you can, if you're a giver, you've got to learn to be good at receiving. Because if you're not good at receiving, you can't receive God's grace. And God's grace, He doesn't want to just dab a little bit on you. God's grace, as we read, abounds towards us. Uh, watch this. Because Elisha doesn't stop when she says, oh, I'm all good. And when many people ask us how we're doing, well, we know, oh, I'm all good. All good. Fine. I'm all right. But watch, because this woman is about to have the dream of her heart uncovered. Something that she longed to happen a long time ago, but it never happened. 
Elisha got together with the servant Gehazi and said, well, no, there must be something. There must be something we can do for this woman. And Gehazi found out that she was without son. She was without child. And so Elisha said, call her back. And he brought the word of the Lord and said, by this time next year, you're going to be holding a son in your arms. Now, many people would think that's good news. But her response was, oh, man of God, don't get my hopes up like that. Here's a question I want to ask you this morning. Can you trust God with what you really long for? Those dreams that you've boxed up and you stored away somewhere. Those dreams, those desires that you, you put in a box and you put somewhere in the attic or in the garage. Can you trust God with those? Those things that you believe for, that you prayed for, but for one reason or another didn't take place. That hidden desire, that's the desire God wants to give you. The Bible says, Elisha spoke to her in the doorway. I believe God right now speaks to people in the doorway. There's a doorway of possibility being opened, and we've got to step through it. Her response was, don't get my hopes up like that. In other words, I've been here before, and I've been disappointed. And I don't want to be disappointed again. I I wonder how many people come into an environment like this where mission and vision is being preached, not wanting to get their hopes up. I hope this would happen. I hope this would take place. And it didn't. And now I'm disappointed. I, I prayed for that job. I had my hopes set on that job, but I missed it. I, I prayed they would get healed, but they ended up dying. It's too good to be true. Come on, Sam, don't preach stuff like that. I I started leading. I was involved in church. I thought I was going to bring about a revival. But one person showed up for a whole year. Now I'm disappointed. Now I don't want to have anything to do with leadership because it didn't work out the way I thought it would. And I'm disappointed. Come on, don't get my hopes up that things can be different. Don't get my hopes up like that. Many people there taking today anti-disappointment medication. It stops them getting their hopes up and the hopes of others up. Because we've been there, seen it before, and it's too good to be true. It's just too good to be true. I mean, no, sometimes it's easier to accept the level you're at and say, I'm okay, than to dream and to face the potential of disappointment. Come on, Equipus Church to Eden. I dare you to dream. I, I dare you to have a dream for this city. I dare you to have a dream for this reason. I double dare you this morning. I'll take it even higher. I double dog dare you to get a big dream that's outside the realms of possibility in the flesh. I dare you to dream a God-sized dream this morning. I dare you to get your hopes up. Some of you have been disappointment, 
But the word of God to you this morning is get your hopes up because God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Yeah, you may have been disappointed, disappointed, but God wants you to get your hopes up. See, God fulfills His word. And He fulfilled His word, the word of Elisha. By the time, that time next year, this woman had a boy in her arms. How awesome is that? Incredible. God is true to His word. This boy grows up, begins working with his father, working in the field. Man, that's awesome having your son with you. But then came a day where this boy complains of a headache. And so the dad sends him home to his mom. He goes home to his mom and his mom looks after him. And as she's caring for him, this boy dies in her arms. I thought you said, Sam, get your hopes up. Why would I do that? When it ends in tragedy. See, what do you do and where do you go when the dreams in your heart have died? Now, for some people here, and I believe God wants to locate you this morning, the word of God for you is get your hopes up. For others of you here, you're in a place of transition. Your dream has died. Stuff has happened that you don't understand. And God wants to give you some wisdom as to where you go and what you do when your dream has died. See, a lot of us have had starts only for something to take place that we don't understand. In fact, a whole generation of inactive Christians are sitting on the sidelines of church, not wanting to get their hopes up because they once believed, and then something took place that they didn't understand. But I love the faith of this woman. I love what this woman does because she picks up the boy, she picks him up, and she takes him back to the place of promise. If you're in a place of transition, what you've got to do is you've got to pick up that dream and you've got to take it back to the place of promise. She puts him back in the space that she created for the man of God. And she calls her husband and she says, I need a donkey because I need to make tracks. Her husband goes, what, what's going on? What's, what's up? And she just says, well, it's well. How many know it wasn't well? Her son had just died. But in other words, what she was saying is, I'm not going to talk to you unless you can change the situation. See, if you're in a place of transition, you need to pick your dream up and take it back to the place of promise, and you need to be careful who you talk to. Don't talk to anybody who can't change the situation. Come on, we all know. How many have ever had a problem? And then you talk to somebody else about it, and now you've got a bigger problem. You know, they've just added to the problem. You know, we're going to make sure that we talk to people who can change the outcome. The reason why this woman needed a donkey is she needed to make tracks back to the man of God. Some people right now in your life just need to know it as well. It's all good. I'm all good. But if somebody's 
a praying person, if there's somebody who, who can hear God, if there's a righteous person among you, come on, you need to go tell them. You need to get them in agreement with you that their dream may come to life again in Jesus' name. Now, there's times in your life where you want to talk, but you're not in a place to talk. And if you're in a place of transition, you got to watch who you talk to. Who you talk to is really important. Don't talk to your, your relative who isn't saved and get counsel there. They're not going to be able to give you God's perspective. Don't get career advice from somebody who's not a believer because they'll never understand the call of God on your life. See, you travel with whoever you talk to. Their words will be reverberating around in your head. Sometimes all we need to say is, get me a donkey, I'm out of here. I'm not going to sit here and wallow. I'm not going to make a, a temporary situation a permanent address. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk, walk, walk is movement. Yeah, if you, if, you can, if you can run, run. But at best, if you can walk, just walk. Go through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't sit and wallow. So many people, when stuff happens that they don't understand, you know, they wallow, they sit, they, they, they close the curtains of their house and they watch sad movies. And then they invite others to come and join them. How many know when you're in a hole, stop digging? Uh, the law of holes. If you're in a hole, don't invite somebody else into that hole because two can dig faster than one. Uh, come on, if you don't know, if your world's a little bit topsy-turvy, you need to make tracks. Yeah, yeah, you need to go to the place where God can speak to you. You need to watch where you go and who you talk to. First group of people, a group of people here need to get their hopes up. Second group of people are the people in transition who need to watch where they go and who they talk to. Some of us today need to go back to the place of promise. Look what, what happens in verse 27 when she goes back to the place of promise. But when the man of God came, uh, when, when she came, to the man of God at the mountain. She fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. The man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? You know, I love this right here. Because she doesn't come to the man of God with any pretense. She doesn't come with a mask. She comes bearing her heart saying, didn't I say to you, don't get my hopes up. See, her first encounter with the man of God was, I'm all good. I'm all good. Her second time, She's opened her heart. She's exposed herself, and she can articulate what's going on in her world. And for some of us, 
know, we don't know what's happening. But God brings us to a point where we say, come on, where He wants us to articulate what's going on. Because He wants to bring us to a position of hope. How many know you can't fake hope? I found in church leadership, there's highs and there's lows. I believe, you know, I've seen it. People can be angels one moment and they can be devils the next. There's the highs of seeing life change. There's the highs of restoration. There's the highs of seeing people reach their dreams. There's the highs of people getting engaged. I hear we've got a couple here. You know, there's the highs, you know, of weddings. But then there's the lows of funerals. Uh, There's lows of gossip. Uh, There's lows of people backbiting. Uh, There's lows of of relationships breaking apart. There's lows of of having to bury a young child. There's There's highs, unbelievable highs, but there's lows. Some people have said, oh, well, pastor, you don't live in the real world. Well, what is the real world? Because to me, it doesn't get more real when you have to counsel parents who are burying their six-year-old daughter. Tell me what's real. It doesn't get more real when you're having to work through a couple who work with a couple who wants a divorce. That's real. Now, working through life's issues. People say, oh, the real world's out there. Now, it gets real in here. And there's highs and there's lows. How do you maintain hope and vision when there's lows all around you? Because you can't fake hope. See, if we're to maintain hope, what we need to learn is the ingredients to hope. I've found you can fluke something once and you can pretend like you knew how you did it, but you don't really know. And unless you know the ingredients to hope, you'll never be able to maintain hope. Now, now Paul in Romans chapter 5, he gives us the ingredients of hope. Let's read it from verse 3. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. By the way, who does that? Yeah, anybody here rejoice when problems? Yeah, a problem. A trial. Yeah, bring it on. Come on, what are you smoking, Paul? Yeah, it's like uh, we rejoice when we run into problems and trials, but that's what he says. Knowing that they help develop endurance and endurance Strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. This hope will not lead to disappointment. The third group of people God wants to locate is a group of people who are struggling to maintain hope. And today, you need to learn the ingredients of hope. From problems, character is developed. 
from character, uh, perseverance is developed or insurance is developed. From perseverance, character is developed. And from character comes hope, an enduring hope. I really believe God wants His people to live with an enduring hope. It may not happen in our time frame, but I haven't lost hope. It may not happen the way I thought it should, but I'm still hopeful. It hasn't happened yet. I haven't got the job I want yet. My family isn't saved yet. I'm not healed yet. I haven't got that house yet. Come on. It's going to happen. You just need to maintain hope in the middle of it. Here, Elisha goes back with the woman to the house. He lays on the sun, and the boy comes back to life. For there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. See, Many people want a miracle, but nobody likes being in a position where they need a miracle. Just before a miracle comes, I've found there's always a level of discomfort. Just ask Lazarus. Because dying wasn't comfortable. Well, at least I'm told. See, if we're, we're to see God move, we need to make space for God to move. And where things in the natural seem dead in Christ... They can come alive because he is the resurrection and the life. This boy comes alive, and it's interesting. He starts sneezing. The Bible says that he sneezes seven times. Now, now when a person sneezes, what do we say? We say, oh, if you're German, you say, Gesundheit. Uh, bless you. Do you know there's a blessing in a sneeze? There's a blessing in a sneeze. Now, sneezing is a, the, the most, it's important to sneeze. Sneezing is important so that we get rid of irritations. That, that's the most common trigger of a sneeze is there's an irritation in our life. In, in our nasal passage or uh, in our throat, that's, that's why we see. Could it be the reason why some people's dreams are dead is simply because they're living with no irritation? And they're scaling back their life so that they can avoid disappointment. I believe God, one of God's greatest blessings to you and I is frustration. I, I, I challenge to see, uh, say from the seed of frustration comes vision. If you're not frustrated, you're never going to have a vision. If you haven't got a problem, you can't be the answer to that problem. And irritation is a blessing. I get concerned when Christians aren't irritated. I get irritated all the time. When things aren't happening as I know they should, I get irritated when my world doesn't match up to what the Bible says. It irritates me. I get annoyed where I see people die of cancer. Man, I hate cancer. You know, they're, they're, I'm irritated by that. I'm not just going to accept it. I, I'm not just going to leave it to the medical world. 
to, to work out. No, I'm irritated. We need to see the power of God manifest in this area. I, I get irritated by injustice. I'm irritated by poverty. I'm irritated by abuse. Those things annoy me. Now, I believe as Christians, we need to get aller- be allergic to mediocrity. Now, we need to get allergic to, to lukewarmness and indifference. We need to be allergic to pride and religiosity. So many of us can just sit in an environment and go, I'm okay. I want to say a lot of the time, I'm not okay. I'm annoyed because I'm believing God. And I want to see it come to pass. That's why a sneeze is important. A sneeze clears your head and removes the blockage. You know, when you've got to irritate, and you've got a sneeze coming on, how many of you ever felt like sneezing, but it's like you can't release it? Your nose is itching, your eyes are watering, and you go like this. It's painful. When you're in that place, how many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's painful. Well, what do you do to bring it on? You, you go looking for the sun. Yeah, you go looking for the sun because and going looking for the sun and looking for light, it actually brings on that sneeze and it releases that, that irritation. It gets rid. Some of you have been living too long with your eyes watering and your nose like this, and you're in pain. And everywhere you go, you're in pain. You need to get revelation in Jesus' name. You need to go looking for the light to bring that sneeze to pass. Here's, here's the other thing is, yeah, sneezing is important because the infectious range of a sneeze is massive. It's huge. I watch Richard Hammond's Invisible World, and it's when they get cameras and, they, and they, they, they reveal what the naked eye can't see. Do you know when you sneeze, what comes out of your nose and your mouth comes out at a rate of 150 miles per hour? You've got your own human hurricane going on right there. Do you know, do you know a wind comes out, but do you know within any sneeze, there's 40,000 droplets that come out of 40,000 droplets that the naked eye can't see? comes out at 150 miles per hour. It can travel 20 meters. I reckon I could get about three quarters of the way back. Uh, ready for uh, I, I Wind assisted 40 meters. But do you know those droplets, they hang around for a long time? And, and the, 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 most, the, the biggest cause of, of spreading the common cold. Problem in a lot of our lives is our lives aren't infectious. We have no influence and impact on the people around us. And God wants to, to use our life that we could see His message go forth. See, what you've got to understand is the seed from our sorrow, there's a seed in our sorrow that's for our tomorrow. And God wants to take the seed from our sorrow, from our disappointment, from the place that we lost hope, and He wants to put it in our tomorrow. See, God can only use the painful experiences that we're willing to share. Some of you are saying, use me, God. God's saying, I will. 
But you've got to share that painful experience. See, if we flick over, just in closing, if we could have the musicians up to 2 Kings chapter 8, this woman appears again. This is after Elisha warned her that there was going to be a seven-year famine in the land. He says, go out, just go anywhere you can. Get out of the country, a famine's coming. Now, after seven years, she wants to go back to her home. She's been living in the land of the Philistines for a long time, and she's going, man, I just want to go home. I want to go back to that place. So she, go, so she decides to go to the king to make an appeal to the king so that she can go back. But before she arrives at the king's place, the king is having a conversation, just happens to be having a conversation with Gehazi. And the king is saying to Gehazi, hey, tell me about some of the miracles that Elisha did. Tell, tell me some of the stories. And Gehazi, out of all the miracles Elisha did, happened just to talk about the woman who created space. The woman who he asked, what can I do for you? And how a son was born and the word came true. A woman whose son died. A woman whose son came back to life. Gehazi was telling the story to the king. And let's pick it up from in chapter 8, verse 5. And it says, And Gehazi was telling, this, uh, telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment. Some would say, oh, that's just coincidence. It's not. Somebody, ah, that's too good to be of human origins. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and the land. Lord, my Lord, the king, Gehazi explained, here's a woman now. He's blown away. And this is her son. The son's there. The very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true, the king asked? And she told him the story. So he directed one of the officials to see that everything he had lost, she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. God is able not just to meet your need, not just to resurrect dead dreams, to bring a boy back to life. God is able to meet you and make you sufficiency, but to also give you an abundance. Everything. While she was away that had been harvested, was to be returned to her. See, God doesn't just want to work in one area of your life. God doesn't just want to restore one part of your life. Could it be if she didn't maintain hope with her son? She would not just lost her son, but during the famine, she would have lost her livelihood. 
Come on, you got to hear me today, friend. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you may have all sufficiency in all things, and that you may have an abundance for every good work. Come on, get your hopes up in Jesus' name. Dream again. Maintain hope. Go back to the place of promise. Trust in His Word. He will bring it to pass so you can have all your surroundings change. But if your heart doesn't change, nothing changes. But if God would work on your heart, you allow Him, everything would change as a result of that. Some of you, you close down your heart. You gotta give yourself permission to dream again, to go beyond the borders of what is possible to stretch out. Come on, I want to say this church needs to stretch out, needs to keep on creating space. Every space that it creates, God will fill. You know, we sow another, uh, doesn't work, but it's God who brings the increase. In Jesus' name. Come on, how about standing to your feet? Right, we are, I'm done. But coming into the end of the year, I pray for vision to be overflowing. Without vision, we dwell carelessly. Without vision, we perish. Kind of, if you're in one of those three categories, if God's located you and you need to get your hopes up or you need to watch where you go and who you talk to or you need to be it, just maintain hope. How about just lifting your hands right where you are to Jesus, right across this place? Because I believe His Holy Spirit is here. And not only does He want to locate you, this is anointing right now. He wants to send you away with more than you came back. Come on, some of you aren't good receivers. You've got to learn to receive. His grace is towards you. You're thinking, ah, but I did this this week. I thought that. No, His grace is towards you. It's not according to what you did, what you've done or haven't done. He loves you. He's for you. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. And with your hands lifted up right now, I want you to say, God, I receive. I receive your grace. I receive all that you're wanting to do. And I thank you, God, that you're able. All right now, let dead dreams live in Jesus' name. Let hope be restored. Oh, I pray people would get their hopes up in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare even over individuals, Lord, but also as a church, that the greatest days are yet ahead. We thank you, Lord, for what you've established. We thank you for the miracles that are taking place this year, the lives that have been saved, the people that have been transformed. We thank you, Lord, for the jobs, the, the, the provision. Lord, we thank you, Lord, Lord, for the, the relational connection. But, Lord, we thank you, Lord, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Come on, with your arms lifted up. Come on, just say, God, I believe for more. I believe for more. I declare a spirit of more. More. We're believing. We're reaching for more. We're not stopping. We're not scaling back. We're pressing forward in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, I dare you to dream. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I dare you to dream. A God-sized dream. Come on, a God-sized dream in Jesus' name. Well, you received the word this morning.
Come on, going into Christmas, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up, hopes up in Jesus' name. Well, just quickly before I pass back, maybe you're here today and you haven't invited Jesus into your heart. You're not right with Him. Just before I hand back, I'm about to pray a prayer, and I'd love to include you in that prayer where you can get right with God. See, it's not our works that get us right with God. It's, by tr- it's through trusting in Jesus. It's by His grace, through faith that we are saved. And if you just believe in your heart, His grace would be available to cover every wrongdoing, to cover every sin, to cover every place that you missed the mark. And His grace, through the finished work of the cross, builds a bridge between you and God so that you can cross over into everything that God has for your life. Friend, God's got a plan for you. It's a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. The whole reason Jesus came was that you may have life and life abundantly. You don't need to live with the guilt and the shame and the pain of yesterday. You can be free from that just through trusting in Jesus. If you're not right with God in this place and you need to get your life right, you're saying, Sam, include me in that prayer. I want to know Jesus for myself. I want a personal relationship with Him. Just so I know who I'm praying for, what I'm going to ask you to do is lift your hand high in the air. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I want to get right with Jesus. Would you pray for me? Maybe you're here and you've once prayed that prayer before, but for one reason or another, you're not living in right relationship with God and you need to come back to Him again. Come on, you can put your trust in Him. Yeah, your hope may have been disappointed. I found the well promises a lot and delivers on very little. But as we heard this morning, God doesn't disappoint. He gives us a hope that doesn't lead to disappointment. Right across this place, if you're saying, I need to be prayed for, pray for me. Just on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high so I can see it. Once I see it, you can put it down and then we're going to pray together. Just quickly, right where you are, if God's knocking on the door of your heart, lift your hand. Three, two, one. Just quickly, right around. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. God bless you over here. Somebody else. Say, that's me. God bless you over here. Somebody else. Just quickly say, that's me. I need to get right with God. I'm away from God. Today, pray for me. God bless you over here. That's awesome. Somebody else. Just quickly, right where you are. Don't miss this moment. God bless you at the back over here. Somebody else, just say, that's me. Pray for me. Yeah, at the back over here. God bless you. That's awesome. Somebody else, just say, that's me. I, I want to get right with God today. I want to know His love. I want to know His forgiveness. And I want to know His plan and purpose for my life. Somebody else, just quickly. Yeah, haven't lifted your hand. You want to. It's the greatest step anybody can ever take is opening their heart to Jesus. Just quickly, we're going to pray right now. Amen. So many people are responding to Jesus. We're going to pray all together. I'm going to ask everybody to join in with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning. Open the door of my heart. I ask you to come in and be my Lord and Savior. Today, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you you died on the cross and paid the price of my sin that I might be free. Today, I acknowledge that. And I receive your grace. I receive your love. I thank you, Jesus, that you have a plan and purpose for my life. Help me to know it and walk in it. Thank you. You're with me right now. And you'll never leave me or forsake me. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Come